When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Daily Premier League action and reaction. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, this is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. All the news, all the views, all the latest from the top flights last seven days in football. Hit subscribe if you've not done so already. I'm Jim and there's loads to go on today's podcast. There's European disaster for Liverpool. There's a very unspursy performance from Spurs versus Marseille. And Europa preview action for Manchester United, Arsenal and West Ham as they all get their group campaigns off in Europe. That all starts tonight for them. We'll also be performing some FPL emergency surgery with Dr. Tom from Who Got the Assist podcast. And we'll be doing all that in the company of Steve McNaughton and Joel Tudor. How are you, boys? Good morning. I'm very good, thank you. Good stuff. I think Steve probably doing slightly less well after the Liverpool performance last night, but we'll get into that shortly, as I said. Before we do any of that, now it seems like ancient history now, but as we pulled the mics down on yesterday's Football Social Daily podcast, Chelsea announced that they were pulling the plug on Thomas Tuchel's time at Chelsea after a shock 1-0 defeat to Dynamo Zagreb in the Champions League and a pretty inauspicious start to their Premier League season as well. So I want to tackle, before we get into any of the games, what I saw yesterday as a little bit of a shock decision. But Steve, were you shocked when you heard that Thomas Tuchel had gone? Yes and no. Um... I think that Chelsea have a track record of this type of behaviour, don't they? And I think Thomas Tuchel is a, is a world-class coach. Um, I think he's obviously won the Champions League there. He's won the Club World Cup. He's won the Super Cup. Um, got to two cup finals last season. Um, and I just think that, you know, he probably deserved a little bit more time. But I think when you spend, you know, what, £280 million in the summer transfer window, you don't get time, dear. And I think that, mm. you know, if you if you run into a sticky patch of three games at Chelsea, you're pretty much toast. And I think it's I think it's just another, you know, stain on their history, really, that they've done it. Because there's been many, 
what I would consider world-class coaches going to that football club and they just haven't survived. And I think that, um, I think it's a shame. But Thomas Tuchel will get a top, top job in world football uh, next time out. Doesn't that add to the madness of the decision, though, the amount he's spent in the transfer market? Because as you say, 280 quid or whatever it is, he has been backed. There's been a lot of departures, but there's been a lot of incomings as well. And a manager shapes a team in his image. He buys players to play a particular way. So they've backed him in the transfer market. They've said, here you go, Tommy, go out, spend some cash, do what you need to do. And then a couple of weeks in, they've gone, well, this isn't working, off you go. And someone's going to have to cope with an inherited squad now. Doesn't that just add to the madness, Steve? Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, Chelsea do operate with a considerable amount of disharmony most of the time, don't they? There's always something going on at Chelsea, whether it be player issues, whether it be the manager getting sacked after nine minutes in the job. Um, I just think that, you know, it's it's never far away from drama as, as a football club and, and that needs to change, really. Um, you know, because they need to galvanise and they need to stick with a manager through thick and thin because I think is I think Jose Mourinho is probably the longest serving manager they've had in a long time isn't he and and that 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 has got to change and I think that you know they if they give a, a, a manager a chance to work his way through a troubled spell I think they'd see I think they'd reap the benefits of it but you know it's there's just no t- togetherness there's no solidarity it, it's it must be such a lonely job that Chelsea manager's job and as soon as there's there's a flicker of bad fortune or a downturn in form you're done you know and it's mm. and it's a, it must be very difficult to work in them conditions which you know I think Graham Potter's mad for going into it to be honest <laughs> I mean Steve says there Joel that Chelsea have got heritage of this of being quick to get rid of managers when it's not working. But ultimately, this is a new regime at Chelsea. I mean, I I joked after the results versus Zagreb came in, I said, if this this had been the Abramovich era, then Thomas Tuchel would be being shipped off to the Dumbass to fight on the front line. He wouldn't get another gig in the dugout. But in truth, it appears like it's a different regime, but it's the same thing. There's still pressure and there's still an element of the people at the, on the board, the people at the top being a little bit trigger happy. I was a little bit surprised by this and not just because it's Chelsea, because I think everyone was thinking, oh, because it is Chelsea, they'll click the fingers and they'll get rid of a manager when it starts to get tough. But I think I was waiting to see just how much resolve Todd Bowley had in terms of whether he'd stick it out with the manager or whether he'd continue and persevere until it gets really difficult. But from what was coming out yesterday with the reports of what happened and why it happened, it seemed as though it wasn't based on the reaction of the result against Dynamo Zagreb, but I honestly, I would think it was it was something very to do with that. I feel like there was a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know of because prior to that game, they got the three points against West Ham. And I don't think I've ever seen a manager get sacked after five games after winning the last game. So I feel like judging from his comments after that and the way in which he just seemed so resounded and lost as to why the players weren't giving him 100%. I just feel as though Todd Bowley is just, as we've seen in the summer, so lost in his strategy and in his money to the point where he just doesn't know what direction he's pointing in at the moment because when you're spending close to £300 million and 
during that summer you're sure that Thomas Tuchel is going to be the guy to lead that squad that you've just invested so heavily in and then to get rid of him eight days after the transfer windows closed it says to me that it, this wasn't something they were thinking about I think this is something that is has been very very short term and a snap of the fingers approach where they thought I don't want this to go on any longer I don't know if we can control him I don't know if he's easy to manage um, you know in terms of some owners wanting managers who are easy to you know you know the yes men types I feel like Thomas Tuchel is yeah. definitely not a yes man I feel like he's someone who's very headstrong and wants things done his way I don't know if there's been some kind of change in dynamic in the relationship between them which we all don't know of because in terms of results I mean with a little bit of aerial perspective, they lost the first game of the Champions League. It's not it's not end of the world. The five points off the top of the league, that's not the end of the world. And the six games into the new season, which is not the end of the world. So for me, I think it's just the case of Todd Bowley wanting to do things his way, but on a scale which he didn't realise before. And I think this is it's a brave decision but in terms of Graham Potter which I'm sure we'll talk about in a sec I think it's a very brave and inco- uh, it's, it's a lot of courage from him to actually take a job like this if we're seeing that Todd Bowley has got less patience than Roman Abramovich which I did not mm. think would happen It's interesting you hint that there may be other factors at play here we spoke to Dan McCarthy on yesterday's Shots podcast which is our shorter quicker afternoon update for the Premier League from Football Social Daily. He tends to know, he used to play for Chelsea back in the day in the youth team. He's still got contacts there and he said there was some personal issues going on with Thomas Tuchel and he wanted some time away from the club. I don't think he expected this much time away from the club, but he potentially wanted a bit of a break. So maybe that's fed into that in some capacity. Steve, Joel says... Chelsea haven't really underperformed too badly this season. They're sixth in the table. They have picked up three wins. The Champions League result was disappointing, the performance and the scoreline. But do you think they've really underperformed that much this season, considering the turmoil they've had over the last six months? The players leaving, the ownership being frozen, the new owner coming in. It is a club that is in a a transitional period, and that can take some time. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that, you know, there is mitigating circumstances and then you factor into that towards the end of the last season, you know, there wasn't even a, um, you know, there wasn't clarity they were going to continue to operate with the sanctions under the previous owner. So they've had a lot to do. They, they had the embargo, obviously, at the time and then they've had they've come out of that and then they've had to go again. And I just think that, you know, it's, it, it's very difficult for a manager to go in there and go, well, the board haven't got me back really. I'm here until it, it stops going okay. And I just think, you know what, the season's been a funny season so far. You've got Liverpool who are in, who are in terrible form. City have drawn two games. Arsenal on top of the table. Um, you know, it's it's a very bizarre you know season and I just think that that's the time for, for cool and calm heads and, you know, they've just the bed, haven't they? And just gone, like, you know, let's just get him out and get someone else in. Um, you know, and it's just, I think it's, I think it's very, very knee jerk, and I just think it's, it, it, it will prove to be a silly decision. The favourite is undoubtedly Graham Potter at the moment. There's rumours that Mauricio Pochettino might be the second choice, but the gig would appear to be Graham Potter's to either lose if the interview process doesn't go well or reject if he doesn't fancy that gig I guess 
do you think this will work out from Joel? You say you'll be a brave man to take him, but he's been linked with a potential gig at City for a while to be Pep Guardiola's successor. Could this be the right step? I mean, Chelsea fans won't want to see their club as a stepping stone, but a couple of years at a big club, get some experience and then move on to Manchester City for what is undoubtedly the plum job in English football at the moment. Well, if you look at English football, is there really a realistic chance that any job's going to be long-term anymore? Because every single job seems to have a kind of three-year window unless you end up exceeding expectations ridiculously well to the point where you start becoming the face of the club, as we've seen with Guardiola and Klopp. Them two are kind of ingrained in their clubs now and you would you would think that they can go of their own accord. They're not going to be forced out unless you know Klopp starts trickling even further down the table. But I think with Potter, I'm for me, I'm still not massively convinced that Todd Bowley's a trigger-happy owner and that's purely because I don't know if this is a case of him wanting an absolute clean slate going forward where he'll then completely back the manager 100% but then it kind of contradicts itself because in the summer he was clearly having Thomas Tuchel as his man in charge for the foreseeable future and then suddenly everything's changed so I'm definitely not convinced it's a results-based thing and for Graham Potter I mean He's such a promising manager and I think he's probably been waiting for this kind of job. You know, one of the top four big clubs. I know that he rejected Everton about seven months ago and the Spurs job not uh, shortly before that as well. And I just think for him, it's a very risky job purely because you don't really know what owner you're getting at the moment. Because I remember seeing a, a Thomas Tuchel interview just, I think it was three days ago, and the reporter asked him, have you been giving Todd Bowley tips on, you know, English football? And he said a joke in response, but I feel like it was guised as a little bit of a, a warning where he said something along the lines of, yeah, I've been trying to teach him, you know, I'm trying to teach him football, how to run a club, I'm trying. And even though he said I'm joking, I feel like there was a little bit of a subliminal message behind that as if to say, this guy doesn't really know what's going on at the moment. It's a little bit of a, uh, it's a bit mismanaged in this everything going on everywhere. So I think for Graham Potter, it's he's going into a bit of a war zone, isn't he, in terms of Chelsea? Because I just don't really understand how the strategy is looking in the future. Who's taking charge of what area and what department? It seems like he Todd Bowley is feels as though he can take it upon himself to manage everything. Whereas it's been proven in football that you need football people and people who are knowledgeable in each area to take your club to the next level. So going from a, such a well-run club from Brighton to a Chelsea team and a Chelsea club, which are still trying to find its feet under this new ownership is going to be really interesting. So I don't really know how the future holds, but I do know for sure that he's definitely ready for a job of that kind. But whether it should be Chelsea, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced. Mm. I'm excited to see Graham Potter in a big job, quotation marks, and see how he gets on. It looks like it's going to be a done deal. The way the podcast has been going this week, it will probably happen just after we stop recording. Fabrizio Romano is saying, and he tends to be pretty reliable with this stuff, that they expect to reach an agreement in the next few hours. And Brighton have cancelled Graham Potter's pre-match press conference before the game against Bournemouth which was due to happen today Andy Naylor who is the Brighton correspondent for The Athletic is reporting that so it looks like everything's moving in the direction of Graham Potter being the next Chelsea manager but will 
Jurgen Klopp be the next boss to follow Thomas Tuchel out the door. After last night's result against Napoli, 4-1 in the Champions League, anything is possible. And we'll talk about that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It's a European week. We're going to look back at last night's Champions League games, look ahead to tonight's Europa League games and Europa Conference games. And Steve, are you ready, mate? Yeah, bomb ready. Good, because we're going to talk about Napoli 4, Liverpool 1, a result that I don't think anyone saw coming last night. We I all did. assumed that Liverpool were going to... Oh, here we go. We thought Liverpool were going to walk the group. So they obviously aren't going to walk the group now. What went wrong, Steve? Everything, uh, in a nutshell. Um, I think that you know this this result has been coming uh, to put. We had still had the cliche bell. We could ring it, um, <laughs> you know. But I just think that with with the lethargic start that Liverpool have made to the season, um, going up against a very very good Napoli player, uh, Napoli team. Um, you know, obviously the the, the striker up front, uh, Ossiman, is it? Um, was was particularly fantastic last night. And the the uh, Georgian winger, um, whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce because it's I'll make an absolute mess of it, uh, was was outstanding. Uh, as was Zielinski and uh, Labocca in you know in the midfield as well. So we we from I mean they hit the post after 40 seconds that set the tone for the whole match. Uh, but we we were dominated. Um, they were quicker than us. They had more energy than us. They, they had a better spirit than we did. And the players turned up last night where the vast majority of our players, uh, like other games this season, didn't show up. And it's you can't compete at the top level in European football like Liverpool have done for many years and, and turn up with that mindset that we had last night. And because you, you will get punished by good teams and that's what happened last night. And, you know, Liverpool have some great players in the, the squad and, and, and eleven, And they have some that are a bit... Uh, if we're going to have it right and um, I think that we were talking off her before and I think this is this is whole situation is is has been coming because you know we you know we haven't strengthened properly this summer and there's been a few departures and I think we've got new players in that are trying to fit into an old system which doesn't appear to work anymore um, 
and I think that as Jurgen said last night in his, his post match, we we need to reinvent ourselves and and, and do something different. Um, so it's all to do. There's, there, there's there's quality there, but I think last night will be a watershed moment and and hopefully a line under the sand for for the the poor start to the season. Um, I think some of the big names need to come out of the team for uh, you know for a few games, and um, we need to mix it up a bit and see if that has the desired impact really a fairly comprehensive dismantling of liverpool's performance last night there joel from steve do you think this hints at bigger issues you've got ultimately as steve kind of puts it you've got a team with new players trying to play a system that historically takes a bit of time to adapt to you've got players that have been run ragged for three years under this system whose legs have gone you've got people probably the wrong age of 30 your James Milner's in that squad who probably in all honesty can't play a Genga press system at the the age they are and you've got a Liverpool side and Jurgen Klopp who's I mean is it fair to say they've been worked out a little bit in my opinion I think when you look at this summer that's just gone Liverpool are the only top six side who weakened in the summer out of every single one Arsenal improved City improved ridiculously United got all the players that they wanted in. Liverpool lost one of their top two best players. They've got an aging midfield and they brought in a young kid for a striker who's going to take a while to adapt to the Premier League. But you, Liverpool don't have time to waste because City are going to continue to bridge that gap between them. And then in that time, the Liverpool are going to have to completely revamp the side again. And that takes time. And I don't think it's a case of, you know, They've, they've lost their touch or everything's changed and you need to do some drastic changes. Purely the fact that when I looked at them last night, everything that I associate with a Klopp side, just the fundamentals like desire, pressing, aggressive pressing, nothing was there at all. I remember looking at the Anguissa second goal when they did a 1-2 and every single Liverpool player was ball watching. No one wanted to run to the ball. And it happened, uh, if you remember the United goal against Liverpool, when Jaden Sancho scored the opening goal and Trent Alexander-Arnold was just watching, waiting. And then in the last minute, he realised he needed to go and defend and block the shot. That's not really what I would symbolise and associate a Jurgen Klopp side with. So I feel like, first and foremost, they're getting the basics wrong. I don't know if that's because they're lacking motivation or... They're tired, but I don't think tiredness is even an excuse because everyone's had a good break over the summer and everyone should be going ready to go again. I just think because they've they've weakened so much and everyone else has gained so much, this is the reason why the gap's showing. And if I was going to compare it to any situation right now, not to the same scale, so I want to emphasise not to the same scale because it's nowhere near. But if you remember when Sir Alex Ferguson was winning all those titles and every single summer he was bringing in the likes of, you know, when Ronaldo left, Michael Owen, Gabriel Obertan, Antonio Valencia. It feels to me like in this situation, Jurgen Klopp's having to really mask over a lack of investment in the squad where he usually has to sell to buy or he usually has to just buy one big name player and then forgo everything else. And now it's catching up with them because they've got an aging squad. Jordan Henderson's not the same player he was. Thiago's showing his injuries even more now. And then you've got Sadio Mane who's no longer in the squad. And then we look at City who's got Haaland and um, Arsenal who's got Gabriel Jesus. They're falling behind the pack 
quickly. And when you've seen all the money that's being spent, you haven't got any time to waste against these teams. So that's the same situation. It's the fact that Jurgen Klopp is now papering over the cracks because he's such a great manager over their ownership who simply cannot put in any money into the system and they've not got the revenues that United have got to be able to, you know, push out all this money in the summer like we did without Champions League football. And I see that's that I feel like it's really synonymous with that with what happened uh, a decade ago. I um I thought, you know, Joel summoned that summed that up quite well. I think there's there's a couple of points there. I think in terms of the revenues, um I don't think that's necessarily true. Um you know, I think that Liverpool as, as a club I have generated more revenue than they've ever generated before. Um, they have enormous commercial deals in place. The ground's sold out and it's re- very, very difficult to get tickets. It's impossible to get a season ticket. Um, they um, you know, have an enormous partnership with Nike, which is one of the, if not the biggest one in world football. And there's, there's, we're you know we've rebuilt um, the the main stand. We're rebuilding the Anfield Road at the minute. We've built the AXA training centre. So the money is is coming in at Liverpool. I don't think we'll buy any stretch of the imagination skint as a club. Um, I think you know we don't carry the the debt level that that Man United carry um, because we operate a bit differently to how the Glazers um, operate United. Uh, you know, so I think. We are a sell-to-buy club. That has got to change. I think the, the owners do need to to come to the fore a bit more and, and plough a bit more money in. Um, I think he's absolutely right on that, Joel. Um, I think that I, I, I do agree with the, the squad has gone backwards this summer. I think Sadio Mane has, has been a, um, a colossal loss and I think Andy Robertson is suffering as, as a result of that. I think that you know Darwin Nunes is a very exciting player, but he's very raw and trying to fit into a, the new system, like like we've said. And I think that there's a couple of you know good youngsters, you know, um, you know Fabio Carvalho is a right prospect, and you know we're quite excited about him. But in fairness, it might not be the time for him yet, you know, to be to be kind of having so, you know a big role in the team. And I think you know the same could be said for Harvey Elliott. I think you know even though he's he's a very silky player, very technically gifted. Um, you know, I, I do think we, we do look a little bit lightweight with him in there. So I think there's loads of different permutations, but I, in, in the main, I do agree with what you all said. Work to do at Liverpool, but you'd still probably fancy him to finish in those Champions League places come the end of the season. As for Spurs, it was better for them in the Champions League, a better result. Spurs to Marseille nil. A very professional job for Spurs versus the French team, Joel. Is this what Conte's brought to the club? A level of professionalism and a banishing that kind of spursiness that has always haunted them, that kind of giving up when it gets a bit tricky that we've seen from them in previous seasons. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here with Spurs because, like I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, Antonio Conte is renowned for not doing the best in European competitions and Tottenham have got a really favourable group compared to some of the groups that they've had in the past where they've had some tough, tough opponents where it's been difficult to get out of it. But, I mean, a game against Marseille where they had a red card as well, you can't really argue with that one. It was a pretty straightforward result and I think Richarlison, most of all, probably needed that game more than anyone uh, to get his 
career started there. I know he's had a few good performances in the league so far, but obviously as a forward player, you need to get your goals to start getting that fire in your belly and believing that you can add to the forward line that they've already got because it's so potent, isn't it? How many they score in mm. Kulazewski, Kane and Son. So it was a it was a good result. They played really well, like you say, is the best way you can describe it. Professional performance, but I mean, Marseille had 10 men for half the game. So you'd expect that to happen. I'm more interested to see once they do get out of that group because I'm pretty sure they will how they're reacting the last 16 against the really good quality sides but I would say that they are way more equipped and I think Antonio Conte is way more equipped now to go further in the competition than he probably has in any of his career with any of his clubs to be honest because now when I think back that Juventus side that was really impressive that won three three Scudettos in the bat on the bounce even though it was an amazing team you know with the likes of Tevez and Vidal and Pogba etc they were up against some of the best era of football teams I think that's ever existed so it was tough competition I mean, with the one of the best Barcelona sides ever and one of the best Bayern Munich sides I've seen and Real Madrid was starting to develop that Ledesma side. So it was it was becoming difficult to just get past those teams, which I have sympathy for. But I feel like now is the time to really strike while the iron's hot because I feel like some of the foreign teams, they aren't still at their absolute peak that I remember them at. I feel like it's the English teams, if anything, that would stop Tottenham going all the way to going maybe semi-final or even a final so it's going to be interesting to see how they get on with this but I feel like the group stage is a formality for them I think credit to Spurs because Marseille despite the fact they went down to 10 men they made it really tricky and they certainly they put men behind the ball they showed determination and it took a bit of effort from Spurs to break Marseille down at times Richarlison got a name check from Joel there Steve and he was getting a lot of love from some of the Spurs fans I know on social media last night scored a powerful header in the game He's that kind of player, isn't he, that yeah. you hate him when he plays for the opposition, but when he plays for you and he's being a house all over the place, you just can't help but love him. Yeah, he's, he's someone who, you know, is, he becomes a fan favourite, doesn't he? And, um, you know, he does have that element about him, you know, certainly on the pitch and on social media, as we've seen. And he's now working with a manager in Conte that demands a level or two more than what, what he's put in at Everton. Much bigger club, um, you know, higher expectations, much better setup. Um, and, you know, Conte does not suffer fools. He wants players of a certain character and he fits in and it's a good fit for him. Um, you know, he's he's went into that club up against, you know, Son and Kane, you know, for starting places and stuff like that. And he's kind of got his head down and got stuck into it and, and he's getting amongst the goals as well you know so he, he's suddenly justifying that place as a you know as a Brazilian international and that's so um, but yeah what we get still what we get a Christmas card off me <laughs> three European games tonight Arsenal Manchester United West Ham all in action Arsenal and Manchester United in the Europa League obviously West Ham down in the Europa Conference at the moment uh, we want to get on to talk about fantasy football in a moment so we're going to do this really quickly I want each of us to take one of the games and just give our thoughts briefly ahead of those three games of course we will dig into the details on tomorrow's Football Social Daily when we know the results so I'm going to take West Ham Joel you can take Manchester United obviously because it's your team and Steve I'd like you to start with some thoughts on Zurich versus Arsenal tonight Okay, well, I think that this is a um, 
uh, what is called a banker for Arsenal. I think that, you know, bar a very crazy decision in the Man United game by uh, Mikel Arteta, I think they've got a bit too much for, for Zurich. Zurich have not had a good start to the season. Um, you know, they've they've played seven and won zero. Um, you know, they've they've drawn two and lost five. And they have conceded 12 goals as well, so they are leaky. And I think that Arsenal will be looking to to put that disappointment at Old Trafford where you know, decision-making probably cost them the game behind them and, and put in a good performance. So I think that Arsenal will have a bit too much for them tonight. So now that I've said that, Zurich will probably win 4-0. <laughs> oh, I fancy Arsenal this year. I think they are amongst the favourites for the Europa League and they've not won I agree. in European Cup. 1994, I think, was the last time they won the Cup Winners' Cup back in the day. So they're due a bit of success in Europe. Right, Manchester United versus Sociedad. Joel, what are you thinking? Spanish teams always make me nervous when we play them because we've been put out of the last five consecutive seasons by a Spanish team in any European competition. So we they seem to be our Achilles heel every single season. But Real Sociedad are, are much, much weaker side than any of the ones that we faced in those seasons. Um, the ninth in La Liga at the moment, they're not looking incredibly strong especially since Alexander Isaac's gone to Newcastle as well uh, and it looks as though Ronaldo and Casemiro will probably start tonight so I should see this as a I think it'll be a closely contested tie but I do think we'll have a little bit too much for them and I just feel as though with the fact that we've got some of the big guns coming back some of the players who are in the shadows they're going to be looking at the team who's starting every single game the same team in the league and thinking I need a big performance mm. tonight to actually break into that side because every player is playing such high levels that they need this game to actually show the manager that they're actually capable of breaking into it so it should be a good game I think it'll be competitive but I do think it'll be uh, a slight win there or thereabouts well final game of the European matches tonight is my team West Ham versus FCSB I think and I'm going to jinx this I think it's more a case of how West Ham win rather than whether they win so this stage in the Europa Conference is all about getting through there are some poor teams in the competition and the opposition tonight should be easy enough for any Premier League team and it's at home as well tonight which just adds in West Ham's favour there's two ways I'd like to see it being approached tonight either the game is used to give some of the new players that have come in over the last few weeks time to gel and improve that slowly improving form in the Premier League because it's obvious to me those players do need to be playing together and have that time to work each other out. Alternatively, you give some of those fringe players, the likes of Flynn Downs, who we've not seen this season, some minutes on the pitch and rest some of the first team legs. That's probably the option I'd rather see happen, but either way, 100% expect to win Anything else will be hugely disappointing, bordering on the unacceptable, even if it is a second string team out on that pitch for the West Ham game. So that is it for our Europa and Champions League review previews. We're going to get into Fantasy Premier League next. We've got Dr. Tom from Who Got the Assist performing some fantasy football surgeries. So I'll say goodbye to Steve and Joel. See you later, boys. Thanks, lads. Bye-bye. And we'll get stuck into Fantasy Premier League next on Football Social Daily. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. 
Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Final bit of today's Football Social Daily. We're going to look at some fantasy Premier League surgery with Dr. Tom from Who Got the Assist, the fantasy football podcast, which you can find on the Sports Social Podcast Network. How you doing, Tom? You okay? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thank you very much. Um, just came back from a week off. Uh, was in France for a while, so I uh, wasn't around for the last week's uh, pods. But yeah, no, very good to get back to it. Uh, not so good to get back to work, but <laughs> good to get back into <laughs> doing stuff like this around fantasy football. Do you still do the fancy football when you're off on holiday? Do you still kind of check in your team and make your transfers? Yeah, of course you got to. I, know if, uh, if we do, I do the podcast. And I'm away as well. I always take like uh, I don't take a mic with me, but I always take something like you know, stuff, equipment with me to do the do the podcast. You got you got to do it. You got to keep going. Cause people always want to always want to know what's going on. So I do keep an eye on it, just not as closely as I normally would dedication right well i've got three questions from the football social daily listeners for you to attempt to answer as always you can get your questions in via the various social media accounts at fsd pod on twitter is probably the main one we're going to start with paul in birmingham who says harland is the must-have this season which i think is a given we've all got harland which means it makes absolutely no difference to anyone's team but he says who is the secondary player Who's the secondary option in terms of must-haves in Fantasy Premier League this season? I mean, this is an interesting question, isn't it? Because normally you've got a couple, um, as the questioner says. At the moment, though, no one's really putting their hand up in the same way. So maybe it could be worth looking at the future, looking at fixtures to come, and indeed some of the bigger changes in terms of managers to come. With that in mind, maybe it might be worth looking at someone like Raheem Sterling. So Sterling, even under the dying days of Tuchel, was doing all right. You know, he's got three, three goals thus far this season, and he's got those three goals in the last three games. I look at him and think, OK, he's got Fulham up next, which is, which is a decent introduction for Potter, a floundering Liverpool in game week eight. And then between now... And game week 16, which is like the cutoff, really, in terms of how we think about things, because... That's when the World Cup starts. You get him in your wild card then. His, his fixture list is actually really good. So he could be one who could really take off. Another one that you could be looking at maybe could be West Ham's Jared Bowen. So a very quiet start to the season for him and West Ham. But a similar story. The fixtures get very, very good uh, after this game week against Newcastle. So I think it's more about projecting towards the future at the moment rather than looking at who the must-haves at the moment although you know the likes of Mitrovic uh, Fulham uh, are certainly though one of the, is, is certainly one of those players that everyone is due, due to get in on pretty soon given they've mm. got good fixtures to come and he's looked very very good 
I always make that mistake. I never think about looking two, three weeks ahead. I look at the next fixture and make my transfers based purely on that, but never look too far ahead. But I guess that's the secret to fantasy football, isn't it? It's for planning and building a squad that's going to last you the next five weeks. Yep. (laughs) that's it (laughs) well good tip then right let's move on Katrina who got in touch via Instagram says I'm looking at the cheapest defender possible that might get some points here and there who do I go for we've all got this we've got our four go-to defenders in our squad and then we've got the one that's there just to make up the numbers but it's nice if they can pick up a clean sheet here and there who in fantasy football can fit that bill at the moment well, I mean, if, assuming you're looking at kind of 4.1 and below, there's, there's three, I think. So there's two uh, who have now gone up to 4.1, so maybe out of reach already, funnily enough, but Neko Williams and Nathan Patterson at, uh, at Everton. Both of them have started every game this season and Patterson indeed was called out a match of the day um, as having a very good game against Liverpool um, in very, very good positions. So those two 4.1s. At 4.0, the one to keep an eye on is Emerson Palmieri at West Ham. A little bit of a, a more defensive, really, than those two. Those two are playing more as win-backs. Emerson really is a bit more of a withdrawn left-back. Um, in a classical sense, on Football Manager, he'd have a defensive um, <laughs> instruction. Uh, but nonetheless, if you do want that player who's just going to probably play the majority of games or at least give you one or two points every week, I think Emerson's your man at West Ham. But yeah, it's, it's not a particularly sexy, uh, sexy price point, that's for sure. Um, and you know, 4.4 there's a few there's a few more but I think if you're looking at really bargain basement those are your three you're looking at is that a sound tactic fancy football wise having kind of the one make weight defender because I don't think many people tend to have five at the back as their chosen formation in fancy premier league so there is necess- there's maybe a little bit of waste there but is that a sensible way to go in terms of freeing up some cash for other positions yeah absolutely absolutely so um, I think having a defender who costs you nothing in effect because you've got to pay four million pounds for the defender slot at least that's Mm. the lowest price of right so anything that gets you points well you pay effectively nothing above what the base price is that's value and having that as your third second bench so you can come in in case of an emergency or you know in the case of Necker Williams this week it can be played if Forrester got a good game or if Everton got a good game uh, in Patterson's case I mean that's value and that's kind of what we're looking at and that's those are the kind of guys who as you say Jim like helps pad out your squad and allows Mm. you to build that that platform for the rest of your team to be really decent Final question coming from Tommy, who and Tommy is everybody at the moment who's had a bad start to fantasy Premier League. Because the temptation is four or five weeks in, you've had a bad start, you give up and forget about it for the rest of the season. But Tommy's grasping at straws here. He says, I'm itching to use one of my chips to try and catch up with the leaders in my league. If I'm going to use one of them now, what should I go for and when? So in FPL, there's a there's a couple of different options available, isn't there? You've got your triple captain. You've got your free hit where you can just change your whole squad for one week or you've got the bench boost. So every single one of your players, all 15, pick up points for that week. So at this stage, any of them worth going for? No. No, they're not. Um, because <laughs> at the end of the day, they'll, Shut give, up, they'll, Tommy. Give you, they'll give you one week. <laughs> but I mean, the one thing you could do, though, is another chip is the wild card. And that is one that you should probably be considering using if you've had a bad start to the season because you'd be able to kind of say, you know what? Everyone who I'm in the league has got, you know, like a Salah, Trent, these players who aren't performing very well. Um, you know, could I make some changes here? Could I bring in the likes of, you know, 
Ivan Tony, the likes of Marcus Rashford, uh, the likes of, I don't know, uh, Kieran Trippier, and mm. bring these players in ahead of everybody else doing so in a few weeks' time. So trying to wildcard early to try to kind of steal a march on those popular players who may be coming in. As I said, go look at the fixtures for, say, two or three weeks' time. Liverpool's fixtures after this Wolves game really turn. Uh, they play, I think it's Chelsea, uh, Arsenal and Man City in short order, as well as a Brighton game, which isn't as, isn't as easy as it looks on paper. So people will start to move off. So if you can get there and get that team in before everyone else does, and you've got a little, a little while there that you can try, try to make up the ground. Uh, but I wouldn't... I feel like if you are planning to play the whole season, things like having a one-week punt on the triple captaincy or free hit, I mean, they can pay off, but they're not... They they can be used better elsewhere unless you really believe that this week, you know, uh, Salah's going to smash Wolves or uh, Haaland's going to haul against Spurs. Um, I don't think either is particularly likely. And the, free, and the bench boost is one you've got to really plan for. Someone in my league lucked out and played their triple captain on Haaland when he got the hat-trick. Uh, was it last weekend <laughs> or the week, weekend? Both weekends, but on one of yep. those. So he got lucky. But I thought it was a foolish play at the time, but it really played off. Tom, nice one. Thank you very much for that advice. We'll be back next week with more FPL advice if anyone wants to get their question in. And in the meantime, if they want to listen to the podcast, Who Got the Assist? You can find it on the Sports Social Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. And we'll put a link in the episode description as well. Cheers, Tom. Thank you. That's it for today's Football Social Daily. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you've not already done so and you will get not only our big show once a day, but you'll also get Football Social Daily Shots, our micro podcast that keep you up to date with anything that's happened between the podcast going out and you finishing work for the day. So we get you all up to date that way. As always, you can find more great sport podcasts on the Sports Social Podcast Network. To find them, head to the website sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.